And I'd like to ask you a question this morning. Very important question, I think. Perhaps the most important question you've been asked in a long time. Do you love God? Seems silly question, doesn't it? I mean, what would we be doing here? But do you? And then I might ask this question following to perhaps help you. How would you demonstrate that? I mean, what evidences do you look for in your own life to demonstrate to your own self even whether or not you love God? Great commandment is to love the Lord your God in every possible way you might sum it up. You know, in the first century, Christianity, Christ has died for sin, risen from the dead, his church has been planted. And one of the rare opportunities that we have is to, to see the church from others, the eyes of others. Tertullian, he was a, a church leader in Carthage, I believe, uh, and, uh, and he wrote about a particular issue that suspected the church and their culture. There were, there were a lot of uh, suspicion about the church, and rumors ran amok about the, you know... But for the world in which the church was planted, this was all brand new. And they did not know what to think of these people. I mean, they started pulling out of of activities that everyone was a part of because of their faith. And they would gather together, not so much secretly, but regularly, faithfully. And they had these things called love feasts. I mean, what's that? I mean, they had some really crazy accusations about the church and some not to be repeated in kind country, uh, you know, company here. And so Tertullian addressed that. He tried to explain what the church is and, and why they seem so different to everyone else. And Tertullian actually put his finger on it. He says, the jealous, this is about jealousy because the church has something that you don't have and it makes you wonder about them. And he focused on one word and that word was love. Apparently, one of those crazy things that everyone was saying about the church was this. Imagine, look how they love one another. Can you even imagine? What's the world, what's our culture saying about the church these days? Oh, they have very strong political views. Is that what the Lord Jesus hoped for? That the church would be known about these things? Hmm. Love for one another is a pretty big deal to the church in the first century, but I want you to know this, friends. I want you to know this, that it wasn't their idea. They didn't come up together and say, let's have big meetings about how we can reach our world. Let's love one another. It wasn't their idea. It is something that Jesus told the church. That's me and you, by the way, friends. 
In John chapter 13 and verse 33, Jesus said this, or I'm uh, John teaching the word of God. I'm sorry, John saying, little children, yet a little while I am with you and you will seek me. This is, this is Jesus. And he says, and just as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. And he said this, a new commandment I give to you. Now, nobody heard this commandment and went, oh, we've never heard that before. But here it was, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This is not a feelings thing, my friends. This is an activity that you love one another. How? How should we love one another, you might say? And Jesus answered it. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it is with these things in mind that I encourage you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 10 and verse 25. And let's pray together. Father, what I have here for the church is a burden you've laid on me. Not one that I carry begrudgingly, but one that I cannot wait to share. God, it is my hope. In the same way that it is lit a fire under me, that it will do the same with my friends out here today. Those whom you love. Those whom you have demonstrated your love for. And that while we are yet wicked, horrible, despicable people, you died for us. While we were yet sinners, selfish, you died for us. God be glorified as our hearts begin to be stirred as we come face to face with this truth. And I prayed in Jesus' name. Here we are in Luke chapter 10. Perhaps I've already given away my hand. But the occasion of the parable that we're about to look at is, is the, there was a man, and, and you know, it seemed to be the popular thing among Jewish leaders to come to Jesus and try and trap him. Oh, we'll show this guy. Who does he think he is? He didn't come from our seminaries. He doesn't meet with us and get our approval. We'll show this guy. Here's a man, my friends, who was over his head. Look at here in verse 25. He's trying to trap Jesus. And behold, <laughs> I love that introduction. It means, look at this. This guy came to God, the one who created all of these things, including the very breath this man breathes. And a lawyer stood up and, and put him to the test. <laughs> and he says this, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What's your answer? We've got some answers here. They want to hear what you have to say. Nothing sincere about that at all. But notice, as this continues on, this man who is <laughs> at once trying to trap Jesus, we will see he is then trying to justify himself. 
Verse 26, we read, Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? I mean, how do you read it? And he answered the way that every Jewish man would have memorized and spoken every day before they set foot out of the house. Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, your answer is correct. <laughs> he said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? hot debated thing. I mean, who is it that I have to love in order to get into heaven? Imagine such a question. I mean, is it okay for me to just pick out a few people that I could care less about if they got hit by a truck tomorrow and perhaps even celebrate inside if they do? I mean, you know, as long as I'm nice to the other people. Well, who's my neighbor? And so just as you knew, Jesus told him a parable. Here in verse 30, we see a story that actually answers the question this man should have asked. And we will see four different men in this story the, the whole account this, in this parable that, that rides on their choices. Now, the first one here in verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And so the first interaction with this man is the robbers who beat him up took what they could. I mean, this is certainly the epitome of sin. I want, you have, I care nothing about you but your stuff, and I take. And I don't care what it costs you. So now we have a story here, don't we? And then as we come to verse 31, now by chance... <laughs> which is an interesting phrase to read in the scripture. It simply means this was not a planned event. They didn't have some clandestine meeting, this man traveling. It just happened to be that a priest was going down the road, you know, the one who would have said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he did not miss him. He was not tucked away behind a bush so that this, this, this priest didn't see him there. The scripture here in this parable makes it very clear. This priest saw this man. And what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Just kept on going. Well, I mean, you know how it is. We get busy with our schedules, and there's so many people, and they want so much, and somebody will help that guy, right? Someone will. 
I mean, surely, I mean, it's, it's a main road here from Jerusalem to Jericho. Someone else will do it, right? Make up whatever excuse you can for this man. Go ahead, feel free, think about it. It's okay that the priest crossed by on the other side because what? Verse 32, so likewise a Levite. Coming behind him perhaps. See, the, the priest was, I suppose, somewhat like the the, the big senior pastor of the uh, synagogue there, you know, and, uh, and, and he led the whole deal. I mean, he's the one that studied and he would teach and he would interpret and answer questions. I mean, this dude really knew the scriptures. I mean, he didn't even have to think about the whole love of the Lord. You got and your neighbor as yourself. The, the Levite is like the associate pastor. He's the one that fixed the coffee machine when it was a one working. And surely we must think in his head, well, if he didn't do it, I'm not doing it. And off he goes. Here's the story. A priest just passed by on the other side. Levi, when he came to the place and again, and saw him, passed by on the other side. Well, why should I do something if that guy didn't do something? And then along comes this chap, verse 33. The robbers had beaten him up. The religious leaders had passed him up. And now along comes this Samaritan. And you know how this ends. And once again, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, there's that word used three times now. The priest saw him. The Levites saw him. Now the Samaritan sees him. And probably recognized him to be a Jew, having come from Jerusalem. And well, you know how it is with the Jews and the Samaritans. And you know the history, remember? Let's pick someone to come up and share the history. No, I'll do it because we don't have time for that. The history was this. In the Older Testament, when Israel had sinned, God had told them that by prophet after prophet, if they do not repent and turn back to him, he would remove them from that land and decimate that land and bring them back. But some people stayed behind and they intermarried with the Gentiles as they were told not to do. Samaritans. They were not the pure ones. Oh no, they weren't. Because they were ostracized, they decided to develop their own little system of worship, an offensive to God and, of course, to the Jews, who knew the truth. Oh, they knew it. Hmm. But look at what this guy does. Apparently, there's something else you can do besides look. The scripture says the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Apparently, compassion has something to do with putting yourself in someone else's shoes, taking a look at something from their perspective. If I had been beaten up and robbed and left on the side of the road, I know 
that I would want someone to help me. And apparently that's what this Samaritan dude, this Samaritan fellow thought. This guy should be helped. And I'm here. Why not me? Is this, this feels like a little preschoolish, doesn't it? Always be nice to people around you. Is that what this is saying? Hmm. And look, in verse 34, he not only saw the man and had compassion for the man, he loved this guy. I mean, he went to him and bound up his wounds. Ick. Out of procedure this week. Um, I, you know, I, I've seen guys do this. I go to the kind of doorpost and I go, mm, big back scratchers. If there's a little nail coming out, feels even better, you know. And, <laughs> and my wife has a practice, Melanie, of going to doctor appointments with me. So she tends to bring things up that I have no intention of conversing about. But sure enough, you know, dog, you should look at his back. <laughs> And uh, he says, you should see somebody about that. (laughs) And it's cancer. You know, I got this little basal cell thing. And apparently, if, uh, you know, many of you, perhaps when you were little kids, ran around without shirts in the summertime, and, you know, the only time I put one on is at the dinner table. My dad looked at me like, get a shirt on, you know. And apparently, long uh, times out in the sun can cause these things. So they, they drew this line on my back, and they, they sliced it open. It's a little too real here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. See, I had this gaping wound. You get this package on it right now. It's, it's quite uncomfortable, really. So. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, it's not something that you would want to see, right? I mean, you don't even want to imagine the wound that is on my back. Because, ick, this guy, this Samaritan, goes to a Jewish man and starts cleaning up his wounds. How about this? Man, can I get you a sandwich or something? But he didn't need a sandwich. He needed someone to care for him. The thing about love is it always costs you something. Well... So he bound up his wounds, he poured in oil and wine medicinally, you know, clean it up and start the healing. And then he put him on his own animal. I mean, this guy now has to walk with his Samaritan on his animal. I mean, how inconvenient, you know? And he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And the next day, Well, he's going to be late to his appointments now. I mean, he waited even to the next day. And and look, you know the story. He took out two denarii. A denarii was was a day's labor, uh, wages for a day's labor. Two days. Go ahead. I'll give you a moment. Do the math. What would that be for you? We're not answering out loud here, friends. And he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I'll pay you when he come back. When I come back, this man asked, "Who is my neighbor?" Jesus answered, "What is a neighbor? What is a neighbor? A 
neighbor is someone who sees the need and is able to do something and does it. Let's get back to that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor. And who's my neighbor? The one whom you see that is in need and you can help. Not the one who you don't detest, who you have something against, who doesn't root for the University of Michigan. I mean, in whatever else you've got against them. The idea and perhaps the question is, is whatever the need, if you have the means to need it, then meet it. I need a kidney. How much do I need? Again, this guy's a Samaritan. And he helps this man who despises him, who would spit in his direction. That's the guy he helped. That's what love looks like. Love is not being nice to the people who are nice to you. Love is a sacrificial investment in someone else. And so the Samaritan, after the robbers having beat this guy up and the leaders, religious leaders passing him up, the Samaritan patched him up. Love this guy. And, and these kinds of things happen, and we read about them in the paper. Just this, this past week, I read about... Uh, um, I, I forget where it was, uh, Fargo, North Carolina, which always reminds me of that movie and that horrible, dreadful accent they have there. And, and, and apparently they have a Little Caesars there, which, by the way, if you haven't tried their little flatbread pizza thing, it's really good. Uh, I was talking about something different. Okay, uh, apparently there were a lot of homeless people around here, and they were going in the dumpsters and looking for the stuff that had been thrown away, and eating that. Mmm, appetizing. Yes. And the manager, of course, immediately called the police because we don't need people. No, she didn't. She actually went out and she, she saw this happening. So she put a big sign on the window and said, Look, you people, don't eat our trash. If you're hungry, or you, you, whatever reason you're doing this, come in, we'll give you pizza and water. She didn't say Coke, though. She didn't. We're a horrible person. And friends, I, I think there's a significance to that. While we're not, you know, instructing from Scripture from this event, it was a kind thing to do for people who had a need. Here was the possibilities. She saw her neighbor's need. She was able to help. It was your food place, for heaven's sakes. And she met the need. You can do that. And it will be inconvenient. And it will cause you to go, perhaps, in a way that you didn't want to go. But that's what it really means to love. 
And do you know what the connection is here? Remember, we're talking about parables, not illustrations. Jesus did not teach this as an illustration of how we really ought to love our neighbors. This parable is a lot deeper than that. Remember, parables are not illustrations. Parables are stories that require you to get on a stool to reach for them. And say, what is this really all about? Well, let's review. How should I inherit eternal life? Well, you know what the scripture says, right? Oh, yeah. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do I know if I love God? Well, apparently... God's work in my life that enables me to love him enables me to love my neighbor. And perhaps if I'm not loving my neighbor, maybe I haven't got so much love for my God either. They're tied together. You say, oh, you're stretching there, aren't you? Hmm. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. You absolutely do not. He's a liar. For, let me explain that statement, John says here, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not. And this is the commandment that we have found from him, that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Yes, but what if they do dreadful, horrible things? They have said mean things. They have mingled in my own personal affairs and they have been a pain in my neck for years. Yeah, love that person. Yeah, but love that person. Love is not kind feelings, my friends. It is obedient actions towards someone. Love them. So put down your little war and love them. I dare you to search the scriptures and find something different. Love them. You cannot say that you love God while you hate your brother. You cannot. If you do, you're a liar. So let's open the eyes and turn them inside here for a moment. Do you love God? Something about that question feels different than when I asked it 25 minutes ago, doesn't it? Hmm. So the question that changes everything is, who, who proved to be a neighbor? Which one of these three, Jesus asked this man, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? Verse 37, the answer is, anybody knows this answer, right? He says, the one who showed him mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is not giving somebody something they deserve. And we're talking about wrath and judgment. Taking that stuff. Because that is precisely what God has done for you. 
you deserve hell. Like not, not the less humid parts either. We're talking about the worst part of hell. That's the part that you deserve. Amen? Do you believe that? It's true. My friends, if you're not ready to agree with that, you know very little about how, how God feels about sin. Just as a reminder, looked down and saw people living like that and decided, I'm going to flood the whole world like everything dies. That's how much God hates sin. God hates sin so much, he created hell. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sacrifice. For who? For friends? No. Enemies of God. Selfish, hostile. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Can you possibly say you love God and walk by and hold that hate? That memory that you will never let go of? You're a liar. And how can you say you love a God whom you've not seen? You hate your brother whom you have seen. How can you know that Christ died for you? You know the details. You've read it. You've heard it. You know what Christ endured to pay forgiveness, to, to, to buy forgiveness for you. And yet you won't forget someone else. No, won't do it. I would really take a strong consideration to wondering whether or not this faith I carry around is authentic or not. If I'm living like that, I know what the Bible says and now you do. So do you love God? Open your eyes, friends. Open your eyes. I don't know. Hey, your war isn't with me here, my friends. Talk to God about whether or not you should put it down. It's time. It's time. It's time. Put it down. Move beyond it. The only person you're hurting is you. That hate and animosity and anxiety is destroying you. And the people around you that you actually do love, put it down. Love. That's what he's called us to do. Forgive one another as you've been forgiven in Christ Jesus. Forgive. One of the ways we love the people around us. So let's wrap it up here. It's about time. Although I could say that again, let it go. Let it go. Put it down. Make it right. I don't care what the other person does. That's what he didn't say as long as they. As much as is within your power. Live peaceably. Forgive, my friends. Sermon in a sentence is this. Wrap it up, tie it up, take it home. 
The same love that enables me to love God enables me to love my brother. The very same love that enables me to love God enables me to love my brother. If one is missing, so is the other. So open your eyes and look around. Who in your life right now that you are a neighbor to, I'm talking about proximity here, friends, that you need to start fixing some wounds, a little wine and oil and bandages, make it right, make it right, make it right. Have compassion. Compassion, show some mercy and take action.